going to VAR. They're checking. <laughs> hey, Connie. Check complete. Let's head over to the bar. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 90 of the Varbar podcast. My name is Jake. I'm your resident Chelsea fan. And this week, I have the absolute honour of hosting the VBB podcast. Let's hear it from the lads today. How are we doing, present Kenna? Yes, Jake. How are you doing, oh. man? Debut. Oh, good, man. Big debut oh. for, oh. for Wisey today. Here we go. I feel like I'm hosting the Oscars or something. This is the big time now, lad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm glad to hear we're all in good spirits. We might as well jump right into it. We're recording straight after the big clash of the week with Chelsea hosting United at the Bridge. Before we jump into the game, Prez, obviously there was some massive news this week. Ole's been sacked and United have all but confirmed they will be signing Ralph Ranić as their interim manager for the rest of the season. And then he'll be staying on as a consultant for two years with decision-making power on the squad. What do you think of all that? Yeah, man, I think it was, for me, if we were going to get an interim manager in, I think that, you know, in terms of availability, he was the guy. Um, I'm actually more excited about the fact that he's got the the two years consultancy after his six months stint as manager. Um, because, you know, in terms of his knowledge of the game and actually having a philosophy of football, I think he's one of the originators of some of the popular styles that you see in football today. Um, so you look at the likes of Klopp and Tuchel, uh, who was obviously involved in the Chelsea game today, and um, they will they will both um, be managers that will uh, draw reference to some of the experiences they had with him, um, either working at, uh, alongside him or under him as a as a player. So. Um, yeah, in terms of the the two years um, after actually being the, the manager for six months, I think he did uh, fantastic jobs with the likes of Leipzig and uh, Red Bull Salzburg to make them, uh, you know, recognise teams uh, within their respective divisions now. And, you know, he did that with not necessarily uh, high quality bunches of players. I mean, he was was pretty good in bringing through uh, some of the youth uh, youth players and up and coming players to to build the squad you know likes of Sadio Mane um just to name one but you know i f- i feel like he has a, a better squad in this united squad uh, to to maybe deal with i feel like um when it comes to making uh, bigger decisions uh, with regard to the football club um whether it's bringing in new uh, new players um maybe even having a say in the the managers that come in or the manager that comes in on a permanent basis and and the final decision around that he'll probably have a hand in that too so um i feel like this is a a step in the right direction for united as a club um and you know it shows their intent that they're actually trying to put in a little bit of structure with someone who has experience in, you know, bringing through a club that's obviously going through a, a long transition. So yeah, let's see how it plays out, man. I think I'm I'm optimistic about it. So yeah, let's see what happens. Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Um, Kenna, now you and your Liverpool brethren have been very vocal about United under Ole. What impact do you think Ragnick will have? And I want to give up a Klopp quote because he was asked about in his pre-match conference and he was saying, he literally said this, unfortunately, a good coach is coming to England and that's not good news for other teams. Do you agree with him? Yeah, most definitely, because it's an upgrade on what they previously had. United now will go into, into games knowing exactly what each player should be doing, 
where they should be and almost setting a standard of what he expects. He's um, what Prez was saying, essentially. He's the godfather of Geng- mm-hmm. Gengen pressing. So United are going to be high energy, um, almost that rock and roll football, which I think United have the players to execute it. So it's it's going to be interesting. I think it might take a couple of weeks of where this was probably the, the worst time he could have come in because from now up until what, middle of Jan? There's even after actually, is it uh, March, the next yeah. international break? He's going to be playing back-to-back football week in, week out. So I think it's going to be a lot of learning on the job, learning actually whilst playing. But I think probably after probably January time, that's when you might see the the Ralph football. But yeah, United should be better off, man. We should see improvement um, week, week after week. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I completely agree. I think this is a fantastic appointment for United, both in the short term and the long term. I think players like Sancho, obviously, he's shown up in the last week or so, which we'll go into in a second. But he seems like he's going to be perfectly suited for this system. There are views that Ronaldo may struggle with his pressing, but I think he's just the sort of guy that he'll respect Ranić's impact on the game and his standing. And I just think this United team, yeah, like you say, it could take a couple of weeks, but that once they get rolling, massive, massive impact. Further ado... Let's move on to the games. Obviously, we've just seen Chelsea versus United. Um, Chelsea came into the game, top of the league. They barely conceded the goal, but there was an ominous record against United. The last seven Premier League games, we hadn't beaten United and we hadn't scored in our last four. Lineups come out and Carrick had made a couple of very bold calls, nothing less than benching Ronaldo. Prez, I'll come to you in a second, but Kenna being the neutral body in this game, how do you think United look today? To be honest, I think the first half, it was no different to how they set up, in my opinion, to Liverpool and City of where they kind of sat back but in this game, if you agree, Press, you just didn't make the mistakes yep. in those other games. Yeah, that was the yeah. only difference in the first half of where you kind of part the bus. You started with that high energy in the first couple of minutes, but then you kind of settled in into like a mid-block, like a low mid-block. And then Chelsea, I think, controlled. Chelsea were almost, uh, what's the right word? Um, sloppy at times of where you thought it was too easy and you were kind of in second gear and just thinking it'll it'll mm-hmm. come just just keep at it and it'll come united stayed in the game they didn't really make a mistake um cho should have punished um united but then united got what they deserved to, uh, counted took their chance and then yeah yeah just in short for me it's united did well they stayed in the game they took their chance chelsea was sloppy should have even won it in the end but yeah it it was a good result for Liverpool anyway. That's all I have to say. Yeah, that is fair enough. It definitely wasn't one for the neutrals. I don't think this will be going down in Premier League history. Um, Prez, I think I can completely see where Kenneth's coming from, that United did deserve it. But I think that's more because Chelsea just did not create enough. What were you? What was your viewpoint on it? Yeah, I think it was, uh, you know, if you look at the story of the game and you know, Chelsea controlling possession, getting on the ball early. Um, you know, the, I feel like the their midfielders, aside uh, from 
Jorginho's mistake. So Loftus-Cheek and Jorginho especially had pretty tidy games. Um, they looked after the ball well, um, kept it ticking over and, um, you know, getting the ball into the final third um, wasn't a problem. But when you, you, you guys got there, you just weren't able to take your chances. I mean, looking at some of the mistakes that the likes of Wambasaka and um, Lindelof made uh, to, to give you guys the opportunity for uh, the, the first chance, which uh, De Gea saved against Cho. Um, I, I really thought that if that chance went in, you know, you're looking at uh, a potential... A massacre, yeah, man. A Another massacre. <laughs> opening of the floodgates. So it's it, it was good that that didn't happen from a United perspective. Um, we went in at halftime with with the scoreline at nil nil which is all you could ask for given the the way the game the, the way the game went and as kind of said really we we had the opportunity that came to us by uh, by chance Jorginho, you know very uncharacteristic of him to make such a mistake um you know they trust him to to be the only lone guy at the back there because they they trust him with the ball at his feet and you know nine times out of 10 he doesn't make that mistake but you know we have to be there to to capitalize on that and you know Rashford and Sancho with the aggressive press to to dispossess him um and you know Sancho took the goal well so yeah man I mean looking at as I say going back to, to what I was originally saying looking at the story of the game I think um it's a it's a draw that we'll take um you know if coming into the game the draw was offered to us I'd probably take that if I'm honest uh, with the way Chelsea uh, are playing so confidently and, and freely uh, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna take that result. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, I'm I'm sat here disappointed myself. I think my big viewpoint was a just seeing the three in my viewpoint three sixes of McTominay, Matic, and Fred. I thought mm. they all played quite well. Like they were just able to cover a lot of holes. But then B just from set pieces. Like you compare that to midweek against Juventus. Like we were dominant in the air this week. We mm. had I think nine ten corners at least, and I don't think we won a first header. That was like so great defense from United, but whether it was our delivery in Marcus Alonso, but we just could not make advantage of any of those opportunities, which mm. is quite frustrating given with the lack of creativity. I think the front three were poor today. I like Cho to a degree, but he's got to have that finishing touch with that first chance. Ziyech off the ball, fantastic on it. He just plays desperate for me. He's constantly looking for a shot when it's not on, like especially with his left, well, sorry, with his right foot, which he can't use. And Werner was non-existent. He was con- he was hiding in in possession when mm-hmm. the ball would go into the box. I felt he was so easy to mark. So I'm happy we got a point, but we should have got more. I think this was a massive opportunity 100%. for us to beat United, and 100%. we've thrown that away. So it is what it is. We have to move on. And we will do, but it's what it is. Um, you got to give praise as well, sorry, to, to United, how they defended set pieces because Chelsea are, are clearly the best team um, by a set pieces. And I think week in, week out, you have Rudiger, Silva or someone else get a near post flick on and then it just ends up in a goal. So mm. very well played by United, man. Yeah, yeah, and I think just talking talking on Fred quickly, um, I I thought he was the most impressive out of the three in the midfield yeah. today. Genuinely, um, the best I've seen him for whatever three yeah, seasons at United. Yeah. 
he this was a, a really imp- uh, I'm gonna say it was a really good performance from him um I feel like he did a great job of um you know breaking up play and and actually transitioning the the football uh, to get us into you know some kind of trying to form some kind of attack with with his uh, breaking up of possession um we obviously didn't always capitalize but it was just nice to see him actually look after the ball um when he got it um breaking up the play doing all the dirty stuff um and uh, trying to bring the ball forward so yeah, man, I can't I can't complain with the Fred performance, although McTominay strangely got man of the match, which I don't agree with. Um but um that's neither here nor there. <laughs> All right, well, both our clubs played midweek, they had big games. Um I'm gonna start off with my club. So we welcomed Juventus to the bridge. It was a massive game for us because we were on nine points, they were on twelve. So we had to win this game to have a chance of going top in the group. And we took that magnificently. We beat Juventus 4-0 at home. That was their worst defeat since 2004. And their they worst were a disgrace, defeat. man. Yeah, they were a yeah. disgrace. It, I mean, that's <laughs> their worst defeat in the Champions League ever. And it was, it was a repeat of the home leg for them when they, were, they just did not want to leave their half. Chiesa was non-existent. And he's one of the most dangerous wingers in the whole world, I would say. Mm-hmm. I thought Bonucci was very quiet, and then Delict. I mean, how much did he cost him? Like sixty-five million. He was. Yeah. He Disgusting. has fallen off. Um, but I'll ask you about it, Kenna. Our first three goals were from Cobham. Some have put out that we are now La Cobham instead of La Cobham, bro. That's that's how I address it, man. That's how I address it. Goals from Hudson Doy, from Shalaba, his first European goal, and from Reese James, really well taken finish. Just how much are they impressing so far on the team this year? Um, I think James is like clear of he, he's in line to potentially be, I'll say, top three of your greatest ever um, academy graduates. I think John Terry is by himself, at least for the for the foreseeable. But after that. He's, he's he's something special, man. I know I, I like to always compare him and Trent, but by himself and not comparing him with any other fullback, he's what he does is so unique of where he's just an all-round footballer, man. Brilliant, mm. brilliant. Yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, I've always been a Trent guy. I think I've said that on the pod many times, but I think it's inarguable that the gap has been closed this season and that's not from Trent losing form. That is from Reese stepping Catching up. Catching up, yeah. 100%. Yeah. Um, so, Prez, Juve game was Tuchel's 50th game in charge. So he won 31 of them and there was only 24 goals conceded. Now, we can obviously, <laughs> yeah, th- we can obviously speak to his impact, but just how impressive has his turnaround been, really? Because you think back to Lampard, we were a sieve. And just in that short of turnaround, I mean, this is why when I think of content, I think of Ranić. Like, I can think they have similar impacts. Mm-hmm. Because just seeing how Tuchel's done it. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the turnaround has been fantastic. I think he's just come in and it all comes down to just having that philosophy within, um, you know, how you want your players to play, the, role they ha- the roles they have and the instructions you give them on a day-to-day basis. And one thing that you'll notice about teams um, or managers like, you know, elite managers like Tuchel, you know, your Klops, your, your Peps, they score goals or create chances in similar ways. And it's not by mistake that that happens. This is a a well-drilled team um, that knows 
exactly what they're doing from top to bottom in terms of each player. I think it's fantastic that they've been able to get the most out of the three centre-backs that they play as well with the, the wing-backs as well. Um, Reese James is in the form of his life. Um, and, you know, I feel even in midfield as well, you're not you're not really seeing any weaknesses. Obviously, Kante's out for... It's not a serious injury though, is it, with Kante? Um, the, the thing is with Kante, I was going to talk about the injuries, is that we've gone past relying on Kante. Like when Kante's yeah. in the squad, he is obviously world-class. We can all admit that. It's not hard to see. But um, like I think he started less than half our Premier League games this year. Like I think mm. Tuchel's sister... Even back end of last season, even I think the overall of last season of where you didn't really rely on him up until the Champions League run. That's yeah. when you started relying mm. on Kante. But in the league... I don't think you really relied on him too much. No, not at all. And like, don't get me wrong, I want Kante on the pitch more and more, but it's not a necessity as it used to be. Like you said today in the Chelsea United game, like Loftus Cheek and Jorginho were both very tidy. Mm, they didn't they really, were. apart from Jordan Jorginho's major mistake. So Angolo's injury, like I want him back, but it isn't major. But then, of course, the major injury is Ben Chilwell, who was in the mm. form of his life. Um, so the latest news we have on that is that they're going to rest him for six weeks, see how his partial tear to his ACL holds. If he needs surgery, he needs it, which would undoubtedly rule him out of the World Cup. But we all hope that doesn't happen because the way Luke Shaw has been playing, we need a left back. <laughs> Lord uh, knows, man. Yeah. Um, well, we'll move on. We'll speak about United's game in midweek. So they went and travelled to Villarreal. This was Michael Carrick's first game in charge and he wielded the hammer. Major changes in personnel were Bruno being benched, which under Ole was just not something that happened. And Martial brought back, was brought back into the fold. They went and won 2-0 after a cagey first half. A lovely bit of pressing from Fred. I don't know how he's getting so much praise. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> then CR7 opens the scoring with a lovely chip of Rulli and then Sancho sealed the result at the end with what was amazing, it was an amazing move, I thought, and a fantastic finish from him. Um, Perez, did you actually see any major changes from Ole or was it just a case of a, ma- a new manager bounce? Um, I think it's a little bit of both, right? Because you have to consider that uh, Carrick had to be brave enough to make those changes. Um, he had, he, you know, Bruno is considered um, by many uh, the, the talisman of the United team and um, almost considered uh, undroppable. So to to make that move, to bring him out of the team uh, and, and start Donny van der Beek, who has pretty much been been in the cold for um, the majority of, of uh, you know, his time at United. So to, to make that change, I think it was a brave move. Um, and if I'm honest with you, this this is you know, our first clean sheet in how many games? So I guess we can look at that, that, you know, the changes were not a direct uh, result of, the changes that Carrick made aren't a direct result of, you know, the clean sheet. However, I feel it was a spirited performance. Um, there was a desire to to not concede. There was a desire to to not leave the the, the holes that you see usually when we, when we play. Um, but I, I was impressed with the change that Carrick made when he did eventually bring Bruno on. I feel like that was when we really began to cook. Um, Bruno came on and he he showed a little bit more poise and a little bit more composure in his passing. Uh, usually you see Bruno do uh, do rash things like uh, 
try and catch a pass on the half volley in his own half like he did against uh, Watford um, and, and just really low efficiency type passing. But I feel he came on and was really composed and and, and was, uh, you know, responsible for quite a few of the chances we created in, in that second half. Um, you know, so it turned out that the decision to, to drop him in the end was a good one. Um, and obviously Sancho getting his first goal for the club as well was a massive bonus for him in terms of confidence and, you know, how he goes, um, how he goes on from here. So, yeah, man, we got the job done and we'll look to the next round, uh, round of 16 in the Champions League. Well, that's my next segue. So that's perfect. Um, Ken, now you've got the Ranjit change. United are essentially all but through, I believe. Um, do you think that United are going to be a team to fear in the round of 16 and going further in the Champions League? No, I, I, right. I don't think so, to be honest. Um, just because if you compare them to, I'll count almost the top five in Europe, United don't come close of United, um, sorry, of Liverpool, City, Chelsea, Bayern Munich. And you can chuck in PSG or just leave at them for over two legs at least I think either of them clubs if they draw United should be confident of going through quite comfortably to be honest so they'll need I think a really favourable run of which I think of recent I can't remember a last team to have a favourable run into in the Champions League to be honest you have to play at least two or three top top sides to even make the final so for me not not too much to be honest Fair enough, fair enough. I think we are. We it will need to be a big turnaround. I could see them do it because they've got the talent in the squad, but talent doesn't win you games. It's no. like it's what you put on the pitch. And I think yeah, completely agree with you there. They will need a nice draw to get them through. But then if they build some momentum, it's like I mean I've watched Chelsea win two Champions Leagues when technically they really shouldn't have. I, it just, you just need to be in the competition to win it. And then it's just, it's over 180 minutes. Anything can happen. So, and Showtime United's been banded about one or two times before. It, and and just one that. thing as well, actually, I was speaking to United fans today, like this week, and quite a lot of United fans have been really happy with the Rangnick one. And I, I totally get why. However, let's not forget, let's put it all into context. Ralph isn't a massive winner, by the way. So to for him to kind of turn United into a at least a Champions League winning side, that that's not kind of what he does, if that makes sense. I think he's a he's a perfect interim manager of where he'll build the foundations of a a strategy, a, a formation. But he's not a Tuchel who you're expecting to to win a, a league or do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. He's not coming in to win and I, I I almost I've, I've seen United fans saying, "Oh, let's let's see if we can fluke a Champions League run, or let's see if we can fluke an FA Cup run." It's not what he does. I think United will just be organised. They'll be tougher to beat. I think their primary um, focus should be fourth. That's and that's a good. I think in the context of where they are now, that's a good end to the season. And anything else is a bonus. What do you think of that, Press? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I at no point said uh, Ragnick in, you know, huge Champions League run pending. I feel like for me, I'm I'm more excited to see for the first time in five years some organisation. Well, I say for the first time in five years. Let's let's say three uh, three years. Um, some organisation, some structure, um, some instructions to the players, and and for me, that's what 
Ragnik will bring in abundance. Um, he, for me, yes, he doesn't have much of a winning history, but for me, this United team, it's all about almost baby steps. We're, we're having to rebuild ourselves with the players that we have, and it's important to get the most out of the players that we have at the moment. Um, and I think uh, Ragnik will do that. And I do think now uh, we should be looking to pick up points um, every week in the league um, as a first. And um, with the Champions League, it, it's all about right now, it's all about winning the games that are in front of us. Yeah, no, that's, that is completely fair. I get that. You need to get through December and January before you can focus on the February. Um, fantastic. Kenna, let's move on to your side's midweek exploits. You played Porto. I have one note on this game and it's Thiago's goal. What did my eyes witness and did it even touch the ground? Please explain. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know. I, I still couldn't, can't answer you if it touched the floor or not because I've watched it like a million and one times. On one view, it seems like it had like one it touched the floor once and skipped up. Then on another one, it's it's a daisy cutter and straight through. But yeah, I, I was at the at the city game anyway, but I caught the highlights and yeah, it, it, um, from the highlights of where Thiago controlled the game, Ox was brilliant. Um, Salah did his thing as always. Rob Robo, um, sorry, no, it was Shimikas, I think. Um, we just looked really good, man. Efficient, um, took them away, and yeah. We got our, what is it, £1.2 million from winning the Champions League game of what Klopp uh, needs to to hopefully get a signing in January. But yeah, I've <laughs> done, man. No, I mean, Liverpool were impressive. I mean, Prez, let's think of their group. You've got Atletico, you've got AC Milan, you've got Porto. That's three Champions League winners there. And that, Liverpool... that was the group of death. And we, we, we've, what is it, 15 points out of 15 yeah, like it's, on, I mean, man. I think the word you said is absolutely spot on, Kenna. It's efficient. It was just like, you never seem to be in that much trouble. I think Atletico, did they push you a little bit? Or AC Milan, sorry, no, in that we, game at Anfield, where it was 2-0, then 2-1? Yeah, it was the first two games. Yeah, the 3-2, three, 3-2, two, three, two, both of them, um, AC Milan and Atletico. And then after that, we battered um, Atletico 3-0 at home. And then, yeah, we've tucked yeah. away Porto. Yeah, we, we, we're brilliant, man. We're actually now, we're purring. We're still, we'll speak about the weekend game, but we still have room for improvement. But yeah, we're looking really, really good. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And then, so Prez, I'll ask you, considering I asked, would you fear United, how many teams are going to be fearing Liverpool getting them in the draw in the next round? Every team that's left in the competition, for sure. I mean... Liverpool, and it's not even like it's an on-their-day thing. They're just, as Kenna said, in a position where they are playing so efficiently and getting the best out of their key players um, and, and even their supporting cast, uh, you know, their wider squad. Um, yeah, for me, they are one of the teams to beat in the Champions League for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, we all see about those European nights at Anfield. Like and like you say, the the only thing I see bringing down this Liverpool team at the minute is depth. It's just mm. if and forward depth, I will say because I think and, I, depth, I'll argue this till the death and say we're as good as I don't want to say anyone else, but our attacking depth is good enough for us to challenge and win either the league and the Champions League. It, it's not as a big of an issue as people say, so, and I'll always say this. Jota, Origi, Minamino, 
No, but everyone fit. Like, if you look at it, everyone fit. And we'll always say this. You'll get one injury max. And like we've always said, what happened last season is a freak of nature. And it will probably never happen in our lifetime again of a, where a team loses four of their starting centre-backs. It's next to impossible. So let's say going forward of our front three as an example, we might lose one, right? Which currently we have. And yeah. we've lost Firmino up until I think January. So we've got Jota, uh, Mane and Salah. You know, the top three scorers in the Premier League at the minute we lose one of them for example a little injury we might lose Jota Origi comes in we've still got Salah and Mane or Ox can play out like we've got enough depth not to complain of where we're watching we've just watched Chelsea who people think have probably the best squad they had Cho um, ha, um, what's he called um, Ziyech and Werner Ziyech and Werner Come on, man. We're still better than that with a with a Salah, Mane, and Origi. If you if you see what I'm trying to say, as a as a collective, we're as good as anyone, man. If if not better than anyone else. That's why, like as I mentioned, getting the the best out of the supporting cast as well. With you know, like the likes of Alex Oxley Chamberlain playing arguably his his best football in a while. They don't look out of place. Like mm. no one looks out of place. Like you've seen Simicast come come in you know we haven't conceded a goal with uh, when Simicas has started I think it's eight nine games now nine games that like, we've won all nine games and he hasn't conceded like everyone is turning up we're rotating centre-backs next to next to Van Dyke. no one's even blinking we're rotating midfielders we played an eight a 19 year old midweek next to Thiago no one blinked just <laughs> say so to me like it's it's severely overplayed and people in the summer tried to say we didn't have the strength and depth of where we certainly do it's just maybe not as good as others but our our key players our franchise pieces are better than most other teams of where they can lift up other players do you not do you not think that that's just uh, a sign of of good coaching i mean we talk about uh, you know, Tuchel and the the players that he has uh, in in you know depth in certain positions, but you replace uh, your let's say your starting your usual starting midfield with um, the supporting cast, and you, you you almost still get the same output because the players are fully aware of the system that they're playing and and the instructions that they have within their positions. So I, I feel that's a result of of good coaching and a philosophy that's working. Do you not think? I think it's a balance of, like, like I always battle with, with Jake, especially when I say, I don't think Chelsea are that good in terms mm-hmm. of players, but their manager lifts them and takes them up a level. I, yeah. For us, I think it's both of where our players are actually really good and we have a top manager. So that's why I'll go into a game thinking we're going to win every single game. And it's if we lose the title or don't win the Champions League, it's completely down to us either effing up making a mistake and just almost taking taking things for granted but yeah I actually love watching us man it's it's almost back remember when people used to call us entertainment FC as Tolson used to used to coin it of we're scoring I think now we scored 17 games in a row we've scored two or plus um goals we're literally just steamrolling everyone um so good to watch man I actually love it at the minute yeah, like I cannot hold that against you whatsoever. That is completely fair. I mean, it's it's just destructive from what Liverpool are doing. But let's move on to the weekend because that was destructive. What you did against Southampton, um, beating them four 0 I didn't watch the game, but it was complete ease. What it looked like. Um, Kenna, I want to bring up your tweets of this. 
Um, you said that this is, this team was the best eleven that Liverpool have put out in the Premier League era, and that if you keep Thiago, Fabinho, Hendo, and Salah fit, you're winning either the Premier League or the Champions League. Now, fair enough, you're getting hyped after beating Southampton of all teams four 0 but I mean that just shows how confident you are in this team. We've obviously just heard it. My question is that those four players in particular. I get Salah, but why the midfield three in particular when you've got Trent, VVD and Mane not being mentioned? Because for me, Trent will always stay fit. So that that doesn't matter. I think VVD, as I said it last season, he's great. He's the, great, he's the best centre-back in the world. However, we can get by with uh, Matip, Gomez, Konate back as, as our starting centre-backs if everyone else is fit we will still win the league. That's how confident I am of everyone else around us, of where Trent in that form yesterday, if you watch the game, Trent was excellent. Robertson was back to the Robertson of almost like 18 months ago, unstoppable. Mane was unreal. Jota was back to his best. Salah was Salah. Thiago controlled the game. Fabinho was excellent. And then Henderson was brilliant as well. Do you know what I'm to say of where we let the attacking players do their thing. We might get caught with, um, let's say, on a counter-attack with one goal, but we can easily score two, three, four, five goals. So to me, it's it's the other players. But specifically, I, I mentioned the, the midfield three. It, it's it's almost 18 months since we signed Thiago of where I was begging and needing of uh, that midfield to, to start. Can you believe where now, where is it? about to enter December and yesterday was the third game that midfield had started together. Do you know how crazy that is? The third game that they started together. So I think the, the more games they get they get under their belts together and touch wood, everyone else stays fit. No one's stopping that side. I, I, I'm sorry. You know, no one I, is. Do you know what? I, I think that's that's fair enough. That is definitely your probably your best field, midfield, midfield uh, three. However, I still get the feeling that Klopp will rotate for the simple fact that and obviously in the bigger games you'll likely see those three feature but I feel like in um, in the course of the season Klopp will rotate that three only because of potential um, you know injury prone players such as Thiago that might not be able to give you you know 30 plus games in a Premier League season anymore Um, you know, and just and maybe not rotate the midfield three as a whole, like a holistic change. But you know, you get you get your um, your oxes coming in for a Tiago once in a while, or you know your your Milners or, or whoever. But it, it won't be consistently that midfield three. I don't think. I get what you're trying to say, and I, I probably agree he will. However, I think just because we've, and I think Klopp himself has been almost dying to try and play that midfield three for 18 months he's gonna he's gonna play it when they're fit he's just literally gonna play it and think okay if one gets injured ox is still getting enough minutes let's say 30 minutes here 30 minutes there to play and he's getting a run and what i said as well i really do not want to see Thiago at least and even Fabinho to be honest play any league cup or any at least the last champions league game now there's, mm. there's no need for them to play those games. Like um, midweek, I was really annoyed when I seen actually Salah and Thiago play against Porto when there's absolutely no need for them to start those sort of games of where, do you know when he gets injured, that's when you're like, Klopp, 
what, what what's that, the reason yeah. yeah you shouldn't have done that there's almost no benefits to that happening so i'm just hoping from now of where we can prioritize games and literally just play them in the game when when they need to play so i think we've got everton coming up um midweek and then we've got spurs um villa and spurs this month so we've got a tough run of um of games of where Ox will probably come in for one of Thiago or, or Henderson. Fabinho's kind of the set guy. He's he's going to play every single game he's fit. He's just going to play. And then, yeah, I agree probably. Ox, at the minute, he seems to have the shirt as the, the, the fourth centre mid, who I'm not mad at the minute. He's playing really, really well. Every game he's playing, he just looks back to that Ox of like a couple of years ago. So, yeah, you know, like, like I'm saying, like I'm really, really happy with the squad at the minute. Centre-back situation... You even forget who plays next to Van Dijk anymore. It's just like, okay, they'll just slot in and they'll just get on with it and they won't make a mistake. So, yeah. Um, hopefully, let's just keep it going, man. I don't want Everton the same situation which happened last month, last season as well with the injury thing, et cetera, et cetera. So, let's go, man. That's, that is fair enough. That is completely fair. Um, Prez, I'll ask you, I know obviously we've spoken about squad debt flop, so we don't need a big answer here, but AFCON's coming up. Now, yeah, I, I'm going to bring it up because it is fair. Because you think, no, but you think, Keller, because I've completely agree with you on this. So, me and Keller have had a lot of discussions over this because we've both got players missing. And it's what, three games, Keller, about that? Three, yeah. maybe yeah. four games? Yeah. Now, I think you can admit this, and I know this for a fact four bad games in the Premier League, you're not winning the title. That's how close it is at the minute between Agreed. us, Liverpool, and City. Hotter for me. I mean, the fact that he's the third top goal scorer in the league, that's crazy. The fact you have all top three. But that month of January, he's going to have to kick on, isn't he? He is going to have to lead that front line. Yeah. Like I said, so I don't know if you've actually looked at our um, running of where there's, there's four games, essentially. I think we have Chelsea, something like the 2nd of January. Yeah, we're early. Where- yeah. I think we, we both teams uh, we might be allowed to keep our players and they basically fly off to AFCON straight after that game I think that's what will end up happening um, and then in between AFCON we have Palace and Brentford as well in, and then an FA Cup game in the middle so essentially Palace and Brentford if we are serious about winning the league we should be able to beat um, Palace and Brentford without Mane and Salah I'm sorry mm-hmm. Like if, if we can't win those sort of games, then we don't deserve to win the title. And that that to me is fine. Um, so I think it'll be Origi, probably Origi, Yota and Ox or something along those lines of where we just have to get by, man. Um, yeah. t- tight defence, go and win your games 1-0, back to the, old, the, the Liverpool side, which won the title two seasons ago. Just keep a clean sheet, get your one goal, keep it tight and move on. So it's... it's <laughs> I don't want to say it's going to be easy. It's going to be a challenge, but I expect us to win those games. Yeah, I completely agree. I can completely agree. Um, we'll move on. We're now going to go to Arsenal versus Newcastle. Somehow we have five Arsenal fans and none of them have showed up today. That's got to be a new record. <laughs> but Arsenal being the early kickoff on Saturday, welcoming Newcastle, the only team without a win in the Premier League. Arsenal looking to bounce back after their slapping against Liverpool at Anfield last week. Um, Eddie Howe's first game in the dugout, and quite simply put, they looked like Newcastle of old. It ended in a 2-0 win for Arsenal. Um, fantastic finishes for both Saka and Martinelli. First half was tight, 
but Aubameyang's miss, oof, that could be miss of the season. Prez, I, that was appalling. Munya, our host with the most, he said that he is now finished. Do you agree they need to move on from Aubameyang? Oh, man. Uh, the thing with Arsenal fans, and I'm, I'm not going to slander them too much with them not being here. <laughs> Um, because that's not my style, you know. But um, <laughs> um, Aubameyang is one of those players. I feel like he will he will ghost for like a period of games, um, you know, five games, five ten games, where he's needed the most, especially as the let's say the main goal scoring threat. And then he'll give you maybe a performance in a in a cup competition um, where he gives you flashes of maybe the Aubameyang that they signed at the beginning of the season, uh, the beginning of his uh, time at Arsenal. Uh, and that kind of almost erases their memories of, of the, 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 the decline that's happening with him. So, um, yeah, I do think it's definitely time to move on from him. Um, he does have uh, qualities that are still there. So I feel it's just time to maybe cut your losses, um, sell them for what you can, or bring someone in um, to, to kind of support for the, the the shortcomings and deficiencies that he's clearly showing now. Um, he's definitely not the main guy anymore. Um, but do, 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 do you know what's so peak? It's they can't get rid of him because they'll have to get rid of in essence of him and Lacazette in one yeah. summer. Yeah. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And their their backups as it is now, where is it Martinelli, Nketia and Balogun? So are they going to bring in, for example, um, I think people are trying to say Vlahovic, they're trying to bring in. Vlahovic is 21 in himself, is a 21, 22. He's mm. young in himself. So you want a, a, a young man to lead other young players. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. yeah. It's so peak. They, they're just in a, that is, it's a mess of a situation of where they're stuck with him because they have to at least ride it out one more season to transition from Lacazette first mm. and then transition away from Orba. Yeah, because, I mean, their squad is... I mean, obviously, this year they did their transfer window. They spent all that money, but they spent it on a lot of young players. And you look at their starting lineups now. I mean, you've got Ramsey and Goal, who's, what, 23? I think the oldest defender in their back line is either Ben White or Gabriel, who, again, are 23, yeah. 24. Yeah. You've got that midfield three behind Aubameyang of Odegaard, Saka and Smith-Rowe. All very young players. And they've all got a lot of potential in their individual positions. Mm-hmm. And it it just Aubameyang for me sticks out as that sore thumb because he is one of the only veterans, and he just doesn't like you say, Prez. He just he's so inconsistent for such a devilish finisher. Like when he first mm-hmm. came, I mean the Thierry Henry comparisons didn't stop. I thought, mm-hmm. and it's going to be interesting for them because you've got Lacazette who runs out of contract at the end of the year as well, and we'll see how it goes. I mean. They've been looking better, but they just can't take on the big teams. I mean, can I ask you about this? Arsenal's defence. You've got Ramsdale, who looks like he's going to be England's number one very soon, the way he's playing. You've got Ben White and Gabriel, which I'm going to ignore the Liverpool game because they were fantastic in it. But that run of between the Chelsea game and the Liverpool game where they put off, what, I think it was eight unbeaten Premier League games. They looked very solid. They looked like they could bring in a big partnership together. Tommy Asu and Tavares, both giving us attacking returns in the FPL. I'm going to shout that out because I'm still winning that. How are you rating Arsenal's rebuild at the moment? Meh. 
it's it's okay. I, I don't want to uh, gas it up too much just because I don't want to use Liverpool as, as the bar, but you have to use it as a bar of where we could have easily turned them over 5, 6, 7 nil. Like on another day, we, we really do batter them. And then if you look at the teams they actually beat in that run, I think most of the sides bar Tottenham were bottom half sides who are struggling at the minute. And even Newcastle themselves, they're bottom of the table, as you said, with no win <laughs> this yeah. season. So it, it's it's okay. Um, like Char highlighted, actually, in the summer, to be fair, I'll give him props, is um, they've got no European football. So there's no excuses of why they can't play. Um, they can't train all week and then turn up to be really, really organised every weekend. So um, it's just consistency, man. They'll be tested over December period now. So let's actually see what they've got of playing now, um, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, midweek. And let's see if the young boys can actually um, stand out. Because just as a one player is Tavares, I think he typifies this Arsenal side of where yesterday I, I watched bits of the game. He was brilliant. But against Liverpool, he was an absolute shambles. So yeah. you kind of don't know what, what you're going to get. Um, so... Yeah, I think Prez will have more to say about Arsenal side themselves. But no, yeah, you, you know what? It's it's going to take some time. If if this is the crop of players that Arteta feels, you know, yes, this is my team. Yes, they're young. Yes, they're a bit wet behind the ears. But this is the team that I'm going to back. And this is the team that's going to take us forward. Then there's a lot of learning to be done, right? So we've already highlighted that, you know, they're, there are veteran players within the team, such as Aubameyang and Lacazette. But in terms of output, the only thing that they really have at the moment is the fact that they are veterans. They're not putting up the numbers like what, what we should expect from the both of them. You know, do you know what's scary? is If you were to name almost the, the three top three most influential players, none of them are the veterans. It's yep. the young boys that, they're, exactly. that are carrying the side. Yeah. And that I feel like that's been the case for a couple of seasons now and even with the, the new players coming in um you know that that doesn't seem to have have changed but it, it will take some time i don't know if arteta has plans to to strengthen beyond this i don't know how much he'd be backed to do that because i feel like he's he spent over what 110 million this window just gone mm-hmm. yep. um so you'd imagine that you know he's going to back the players that he's brought in, um, the young players, and and put it down to um, more experience, more time and more drilling of his philosophy into them before they start, you know, reaping the, the benefits and the results. So um, I'm sure that's what Arteta would tell you, but I'm I'm still not convinced that they're, they're necessarily the right players. Um, they have potential, um, but, you know, whether they're the, the, the players to, to take them to the, to the promised land, uh, I'm not too sure about that. Yeah, I, I completely. I think this year for Arsenal is a foundational year. You get your partnerships made up. You get your you get your relationships built. You get the culture almost built with these young guys. Like get them to take on leadership roles, and then next summer they. I think that that's where you go from buying quantity to buying quality. Mm. Uh, you look at Sambi, and I I like the look of Sambi. Party for me, I don't know what's happened since he's come from a Flaco, but he just, I don't see a lot from part. I don't see a 40 yeah. million pound player from him. London lifestyle, man. And <laughs> the better of them. <laughs> but that, that's when next time they have to buy that quality, whether it is a quality centre forward that's young, like a Vlahovic, 
you buy a truly outstanding centre mid. I'm thinking of someone like a maybe a Tenali, but he's been a bit not in great form. But there are options for Arsenal. I am encouraged, but does it and, look uh, like I, I, I'll, I'll add one more thing as well, actually, of what I was consistent with United on why United project was always going to end up this way, and it's the manager. Out of if you name the top, if you rank uh, the managers even in the league. Arteta comes in the bottom half like comfortably as well. And you're expecting a quote-unquote bottom half manager to lead a, a massive club like Arsenal back into Europe or arguably back into the Champions League. If I'm honest with you, this guy has... He's, yeah, he's had... I feel like the grace he's been given, the, the higher-ups must really believe that, you know, the philosophy that he speaks about and um the, the the tactics that he he puts out they must really believe that eventually they're going to come good especially the the financial backing that he got in the the summer um like i said i don't know what the next summer holds in terms of the the, the backing he'll get financially but they must see something there for them to to still have him in the job they must do my tabo shouts FA Cup right and then we move on or <laughs> <laughs> the thing is if, 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 if you're happy with that that's all well and good and that's fine however if you want to kick on in mm. the same way just look at Man United and I'll always use that as a template now look at Man United of where they always had a glass ceiling that glass ceiling seemingly now is shattered just because they've they're getting someone in who knows their stuff so yeah, if, if you want to become a top six side and cement yourself as fifth, sixth, seventh side, fair dues, stay with Arteta. But if you have ambitions to almost kick on the same way as Spurs, Spurs might not, but it shows ambition, man. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of Spurs, we're not going to spend too much time on them because they thankfully had their game cancelled so we didn't have to watch them play against Burnley today due to the snow, so they'll have to catch that up. But midweek, now they played a team... <laughs> that nobody's heard of before. I'm pretty sure not even their own fans. NK Mura, a.k.a. the lowest-ranked side in the Europa Conference League, of course, the lowest Europeans, com- lowest European league this season. They are 341st, and they defeated Spurs 2-1. This means that Spurs cannot win their group. If they want to qualify, they've got to win their last game and then beat someone who's come down from the Europa League just to get into the knockouts. That's more and more games. Um, Conte came out after the game and said after three weeks he's learning just how difficult a job this is which brought tears to my eyes it was that funny um Perez my question is I personally and I said this on the board I thought Conte was going to have an immediate impact with this team how much lower can Spurs go after losing games like this yeah it's going to get worse before it's get better it gets better and I feel like um that will go for any new manager that has to take on um, such a big task, no matter how uh, decorated you are as a manager, uh, experienced or, um, you know, quote unquote elite. I feel like this Tottenham team were already in a bad way. And Conte, um, he's obviously, we know the history of Conte as a manager and how demanding he is of his players. So what I think might be going on is that demand might not be well received at the moment by maybe some players within the camp 
which obviously will have a knock-on effect with things like morale and you know the the playing for the manager thing that we go on about so much. But I feel like Conte, you know, the way he he the 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 effort that he demands from his players, um, I think he'll he'll very quickly begin to weed out um the weak. And he'll be very quickly be be able to establish what he believes are the team that um, will run for him, if you like. Um, and over the coming weeks, it's pretty crucial that he gets that nailed down um, as soon as possible because the the slope is slippery, um, and Tottenham have a, a great deal uh, of of work to do to to even feature in a or potentially feature in a top six uh, finish for them this season. So Conte has more than his work cut out. Yep, completely agree. Um, Ken, I'll ask you this because like, I look at the Spurs side and there's obviously talent, but Harry Kane, he's just not turned up all season as of yet for them. I think of someone like, I think of players like Ndombele and Deli Ali. I, I read about the game and Deli Ali was hauled after 55 minutes or something like that, like for looking so lethargic. And for a player that has scored 18 goals all from open play in the Premier League from midfield before in one season to this going down, just who do you think has got the most to lose in this Spurs team? But then ultimately, who do you think has got the most to win from Conte? Like someone that's truly dedicated as opposed to someone who's got the talent. Good question, man. That's a good question. Save to the win? best for last. <laughs> <laughs> um, to win, you'd probably say like Son, because the way I look at it now is he can almost cement himself as the next franchise piece, if that makes sense, because this side is still the Harry Kane side, right? Because he's still starting in this side, despite basically the Spurs team carrying him, if you know what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so I think him, but in terms of Toulouse, I, I don't know if you've seen the goals, but Sanchez, what a disgrace <laughs> he is. My God. Um, yeah, they're just a terrible side man defensively. It's it's like if if I'm almost the Paratici um and Conte, you're looking at two centre halves coming in. Um, you're looking at probably at least one more centre mid, and you're looking at a right winger. So that's four players, starting players that Spurs need to just about as as Prez said, maybe to even become like a, a top six side. Because sides like West Ham at the minute, and obviously United are still in it, and Arsenal, you can even argue, they're gonna they're gonna really try and push for that um, top four slash fifth and sixth place. And if Spurs don't fix up, they, they could either be back in uh, Europa Conference next season again, or even worse, be, be go without no European football. So, yeah, it's, it's dark times, man. That White Hart Lane at the minute. You mean three point lane, right? <laughs> oh I, we're going there soon, man. I can't wait. <laughs> um, right. That has all the games covered. We'll obviously now take our trip to the bar. There's only one of us that unfortunately gets to visit the Dub Hotel this week. Um, I'm going to start off our shots. I'm going to give it out to our manager, Tommy Tuchel. I mentioned it earlier, 50 games now in management. Just the turnaround that he's been able to bring. And I think for me... I just love listening to his interviews. He's a man with such clarity. He speaks quite honestly. If he wants a player to actually perform, he will say it. He won't rip them to shreds like Mourinho would, but he will just say they're out of the squad for performance. We need to see more from them. Someone like Hudson-Odoi, who's now played eight games in a row starting. 
So I just think the transformational impact he's had is fantastic. And I just want to see him stay on and keep carving out a legacy with his coaching ability. Um, Kenna, do you have a shot for us? Of course, man. We're going going to Spain for this shot, man. My doggy, Tiago Alcantara, man. I popped up to, to Drew uh, yesterday and I just asked him, when's the last time we've seen that Marcus Houston meme, man? I've, I've missed that press, man. I've missed yeah. it. I can't wait for you to run it, man. But yeah, shout out to him, man. Been uh, two in two. Um, back to controlling midfield, man. The, the Thiago we knew at Bayern, especially the last couple of years. Um, yeah, hopefully he just keeps on purring and leads us to, to success, man. Absolutely fair. Absolutely fair. Well, that is us. Thank you ever so much, listeners, for tuning in. Please don't hesitate to follow us on our socials. Just search in Barbar Podcast on Facebook, I'm sorry, Twitter and Insta, and we will be there posting throughout the week. And my name is Jake. I'm your guest host of the week. Thank you so much for having me. And we are out. Bye, everyone. Peace. Three points, gang. Talk to me or don't talk to me at all. <laughs> hey, hi.